Hello, friends, and welcome to the Optimized Advisor Podcast, where we focus on optimizing the well-being and best practices of insurance and financial professionals today. On this show, our objective is to help you optimize your life, optimize your profession, and learn from other optimized advisors. I'm your host, Scott Heinela. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Optimized Advisor podcast. I have the great pleasure and enjoyment of having two guests today in studio. One is my good friend and fellow advisor, Bart Zanbergen. Hello, Scott. Welcome. <laughs> and third episode that we are now doing, yeah. for those interested, uh, can tune into episode number 8 and 48. You did that backwards. Welcome to the studio, Dr. <laughs> Morgan Cutlip. Great to be here again. Thank you for having me. All right. So today, uh, sincerely, thank you for taking the time. Mm. I know that your world and your life is super busy right now. One of the topics that we're going to talk about today is <laughs> a project you've been embarking on. Mm-hmm. Saw your episode in the uh, Good Morning America. Yeah. Thanks. You did good. That thank was great. You. That was yeah, very, I was very so good. nervous. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. My point is, I'm sure your life is a whirlwind in good ways and blessed ways. Absolutely, but I'm happy to be here. It was just, I was glad when I got the invite. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Okay. It's always fun coming I love to the studio. <laughs> we want to talk about a few things. One, the book that you've been um, embarking on and that journey to get to where this is today, which I'm sure you're very, very happy with. <laughs> I am happy with it. Um, and also talk about the book in itself. And then we also had a couple of questions for you that we might make you a little bit uncomfortable with. Great, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> it's always fun. <laughs> All right, so the book. I think it's an obvious reason on wh- you know, to answer the question of why you made a book, especially a book on this topic about women and, mm-hmm. and the motherhood and the challenges that they have, starting with uh, mother yourself like you mother your kids. Yeah, so you want me to tell you the why? I would love for you to tell us the why. How about the why and the how? Like what... what- caused you to say, this is a book I need to write? So um, I'll, I'll start a little bit further back than you're asking, just so people have a context. So I've worked alongside my dad for over 15 years. Um, we're kind of doing a little bit of our own thing now, but um, I feel like I grew up in this <laughs> profession of relationship education. So he has his doctorate in psychology, um, and he went back to school when I was in grade school. And I started going to classes with him, started going to conferences with him, spoke, and when I was in college, I spoke at some marital conferences with him and just kind of grew up in the profession. And I knew that I wanted to be able to stand on my own two feet. I couldn't just like follow in his footsteps and have no credentials. So I got my degrees and all of the things. Um, and I remember very specifically saying to him, I think it was probably maybe a sophomore in college, and I said, someday I want to do something to help women. I don't know what it looks like, but that's going to be my thing. Like, you have your thing, this is my thing. (laughs) I think that's always been something that's been important to me. And um, I didn't know what that was. And then fast forward many, many years later, and uh, our daughter Effie was born, who's 10 10 now. So this has been a long time in the making. And um, she just, you know... (sighs) I think I went into motherhood expecting to be exceptional at it. I had credentials. I have good parents. I was like, this is going to be easy. Like, bring it on. Like, I'm (laughs) made for this. And um, 
I was totally caught off guard by things like the loss of freedom that I did not anticipate, by how difficult it would be to juggle my work, um, by the amount of just guilt and difficulty I'd have leaving my daughter. Mm. I felt really bad about that. Um, and just the amount of responsibilities that piled on. And so I just felt, I felt buried in it. I felt lost. And um, I knew then, I mean, I, I have this way of like, I can be lost and also have some rationality to me. So, <laughs> so I was like, I'm in it and I'm buried and I'm getting resentful toward my husband for a number of reasons. We had some life stuff going on where he got... Um, we were in Florida for a very quick stint, and um, he was relocated to California. So from Effie being two months to ten months, we were we were apart. So that's a pretty critical time in a baby's development yeah. where you're going through a lot. And so I was feeling very much on my own, too. So that was another factor. But I, kn I knew at some point I would come out of this. It's like a fog in the beginning. I knew it would lift. And um, that's when I decided at some point I'm going to help moms navigate this this time in motherhood differently and more empowered with um, with practical tools and information. Mm. That's great. That is great. You know, the thing I think about that is in that journey that you were dealing with, you know, handling yourself and and being a mother, how that impacted your relationship with your husband and all mm. the other facets of your life, and how do I spin all these plates successfully? Yeah, where going into it, I, I it was easy street. Your in, your intent, your thought was this is going to be easy street. Well, yeah, and I think that's what set me up, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of us go into, I think everybody goes into motherhood, um, or maybe even just different parts of life with like these almost. Um, in the book, I talk about almost having these movie moments in my head that I expected to live out mm -hmm. uh, as a mom. But we have these expectations that we take into these experiences, um, into motherhood, into marriage, into our work life, all of these expectations. And when our reality is very different from our expectations, uh, that space between is really where I think feelings of um, falling short, feeling like you're failing, all of that stuff really creeps in. Mm -hmm. I, I almost laughed out loud when you said you were upset or bitter at your husband, and that, but <laughs> to myself, isn't that because isn't that kind of daily for us husbands that we're, we're, yeah. we're the bad guys? You're upset about. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's like the fall guys. Yeah, um, and gladly. Well, maybe we should unpack that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you didn't say it directly, but I, I think that you inferred it. Like, like, did you have a, like a loss of self, like who you yeah. are? Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, I think that's what what happens, and in, in, it's not like all at once. It's like bit by bit. I mean, part of it was. You know, I thought I'd be good at this, and I'm not good at this, or at least it didn't feel like I was. Um, I thought that I would like look a certain way in motherhood, that I'd have a certain amount of energy, that <laughs> I would um, just be a, a having a certain amount of patience, like all of these things um, that I would have said like a part of who I am, and I felt like I wasn't living up to those things. And so I think that's part of how we have a loss of self is yeah. is feeling so discrepant from the person we thought we'd be yeah so how did you lift the fog <laughs> it can't be it cannot be that easy no it's not it's not that easy well, and it's interesting because you're be pre it's like i'm the center of my life and my world and mm -hmm. yes when i have when i'm married and a husband well that's still pretty easy because we're still independent in our lives and we are together as a couple but when you had effie mm -hmm. it's like that now i put myself second or even third yeah how do I third. regain that balance? 
I mean, what, what are the steps that you take to even start to rebuild that? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it took me a long time, honestly. Like, it took me another kid, so then Roy was born. So it's, it's, oh, I, let's just add fuel to yeah, the fire. Yeah, we just kind of kept That'll piling it on. <laughs> we got to get to ground zero. I think you know there were like these different moments that I just remember being like, "What am I doing? Like, this isn't working." One, my husband, he doesn't love this story, but it's a true story, and I'm not elaborating, <laughs> and he can take it up with me later. But um, <laughs> we, I think the kids were so Roy had to be two, so Effie was probably four, and um, I was just at my wit's end. I was like, "I cannot do this. I cannot. I cannot do this. Um, I need a break." I need some space. I can't breathe. I can't. Something. I don't know if you guys experience this with kids. Um, I actually don't even know if you have kids, but three, three kids. Okay. Yeah. So I don't. Something that got to me was um, like the sensory overload that I experienced. Yeah. That was new. That was a new <laughs> thing. So that can feel really oppressive. I think sometimes. And so um, to said to Chad, take him out of the house. So and I think this is one of the first times I really actually like kind of demanded something like that. And. Um, so we did, and he took him to the community pool, and um, I was like, I'll meet you there in a little bit. I took maybe an hour. I probably just sat and stared at a wall. I don't know <laughs> what I did. And I, I finally met him there, and the kids are losing their minds, and they're freaking out. And luckily, he ran into some friends of ours, but he didn't bring um, a change of clothes. He brought sunscreen. That's the only thing. Um, and maybe towels, but I'm not convinced he brought <laughs> towels. But no snacks, no water, no change of clothes. And these are little kids. You know, they're just like, I right. don't want to be uncomfortable. And I was like, I walked up and it was funny. And we all joked about it. It wasn't a big deal. I, I'm, I'm not like somebody who's like, what's your problem type of person. Right, right, right. But, but, um, <laughs> but also I thought to myself, what is my problem that we are this far into parenting and he didn't know what to pack for the kids because I have been doing it all myself. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of women would have been mad at their husbands and I wasn't like stoked about it. But, <laughs> um, but it was a nice point of reflection for me to say, what, how am I participating in our dynamic where I'm doing it all? And it wasn't just about me doing it all with him, but just doing it all in general. Mm -hmm. I had made my needs so small that I had to start to rediscover what they were, what I needed, what would help me feel better, and to assert those things. And so you asked me for steps. I think I'm, I'm a bigger picture thinker than just like one, two, three. It's not like a prescription, prescription but um, part of what I had to do was pay attention to my relationship with myself and manage it much like I manage my relationship with my kids and my husband. Mm -hmm. And so part of that was getting to know myself again. Part of that was getting over my hangups. What's getting in the way of me being able to assert myself and my needs in my relationships. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had to challenge some of that stuff. And I also, I think this applies to lots of areas of life, but I had to start behaving differently before I felt ready. I if I felt a lot of guilt around leaving the kids, but I needed I needed some time, and so before I felt totally resolved in that, I started asking for it. And behavior and feelings kind of feed each other, and so bit by bit, I made my way back and changed um, changed some dynamics in our relationship too mm -hmm. for for the better. You know, it's interesting because Bart, a lot of what you practice and I would say instill in others is the, you know, answering the question or defining what is true wealth. Right. And it begins with health and wellness and finding proper mental state of mind. Mm -hmm. And you were putting yourself in the back seat 
and, and you have to begin by recognizing I'm no good to anybody if I'm in this state of mind and well-being. I've got to fix that first before I'm going to be a mother, be a husband, wife, what have you, successfully operate a business. It does run in through yeah. every fabric of your life. I, I'm just wondering, I mean, you are a, a trained, educated professional <laughs> in this area. Yeah. And so you were able to discover that within yourself. Um, maybe the answer to this question is going to be read the book, but <laughs> how are how are other moms and, and dads who, who go through the same thing, mm -hmm. how, do, how do they figure it out? Yeah, so read the book. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can I can um, I can give a little bit more. So, um, the main kind of thesis of my book is mother yourself like you mother your kids. But you could, I mean, it doesn't quite work as well for dads, but it could work for dads. But the idea is is that we um, already, and I'm speaking about women, but I think this really like the concepts actually apply across the board. But we mm -hmm. um, are really good at being the master managers of all of the people and all the things. We kind of like are keeping things running. Um, research says that women are usually the ones who even touch base with their partners. Like, oh, I think we need a date. And it might look different in your relationship, I think. But, um, <laughs> and that's great. I think that's a great thing. Um, but, you know, oh, can we talk about something? You know, we're the ones who usually do these things. But we You're don't. You're the glue. You're the glue that holds the pieces a together. A lot most. of times. Yeah. Not always, but a lot of times. And so um, we have to learn how to take those same skill sets that we already possess not learning necessarily anything new and turn it toward ourselves and part of that is doing these check-ins with ourselves so in the book I give because it's like okay if you're going to manage your relationship with yourself what are you actually managing and I think that's what's somewhat different about my book than other books you might find on this topic which is I give a model of relationships so it's a visual model of five areas that make up every single relationship including your relationship with yourself and I walk moms through how do you do a check-in in each of these five areas and how do you also like do a quick assessment and because it's a visual mm. it's really nice because you can easily conjure it up in your mind and put it to use in the moment so go to the bathroom do yourself check-in where are my deficits what do I need and how can I either quickly turn the dials and make some adjustments or how can I at least define my experience and be like, I don't have time to figure this out now. I don't have time to take care of this now, but I can put a pin in it for later. And definition hits the release valve in and of itself. Because mm. sometimes we're just sitting in our yuck and we don't know even our way out. But when you have the definition, that's like, at least I have a plan that I can put into practice mm -hmm. later. Yeah. Is this something, and or are you encouraging, is this hours a day or is it a couple? You said go to the bathroom, so I'm assuming that's minutes. Yeah, it's um, minutes. Is this minutes a day of, of this visualization or self-check-in? it's like minutes or seconds. Minutes I think seconds. you can quickly like kind of tick through yeah. the five areas and think about, okay, where what's going on with me? Um, it works like... Um, that's just to, like, a validation of how quick women think. No, you can do it too. Men love it. So this, I'm in there 10 so. minutes. <laughs> You're on your phone in the bathroom probably. Oh, well, okay. So the model is called the relationship attachment model. It's the foundation of all of our courses. So even our couples courses, but um, our stuff's used in the military and mm. men love this model because it's um, it actually looks like an equalizer on a stereo. It does. So you have five sliders. Um, and so you can just imagine moving them up and down. How am I doing in this area? How am I doing in that area? And you can quickly see when some are low and some are high, this is where this is where I can get the most bang for my buck, mm. make an adjustment here, and the others will start to follow up. 
yeah. with it. I don't know. Am I making sense? It's yes, hard because I, I see that. it so yeah. clearly in my mind. But yeah. it's, it's amazing. It's very simple. If you're making a PB and J, you can quickly think through the areas. If you're going to the bathroom, if you're taking when you're taking a shower, you know moments that you actually are likely alone. Um, those are good times to do it. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Just learning that and getting into that habit. It yeah. applies to your marriage too. So. Um, you think about doing a quick assessment of your relationship how are we doing in these five areas um and you know you can then quickly say okay this is where we're having a little bit of a vulnerability let's adjust because right. um if you leave these things as vulnerabilities over time that's when relationships can start to deteriorate right i've seen it time and time again where mom is so focused on being a mom mm -hmm. that maybe she's not quite the wife anymore yeah yeah, I think that's really common. It doesn't get a lot of um, play on like social media, things like that. <laughs> no memes that, or anything. That perspective, because <laughs> I think it's a heavily, heavily like women's voices. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's that's a huge part of what starts to happen in relationships after kids is that um, moms either moms a lot of times throw themselves into either the needs of their kids and their partner or just the needs of the kids. Yeah. And so they make theirs really small, but what ends up ultimately happening is they burn out and they start to get, they start to become like grumpy and irritable and bitter and yeah. resentful. And then that affects their sex life. And then it affects all of these other things in their relationship. And before you know it, it's like, I don't even know how we got here, but right. we're not in a good place. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not the professional that you are, but I had a thought about just that, that um, a mom who was so focused on kid or children i think needs to realize that there's a kind of there is a day when the children yeah. are gone yeah. right mm -hmm. maybe 18 maybe 28 but they're gone and then my thought is is she still going to know or he whatever is that person going to know who their spouse is have, have right. you spent enough time are they are they still compatible are they still mm -hmm. Because the spouse stays, for the most part. For the most part. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, yeah, like you can look at this different ways. But I totally agree with you. And that's um, in our couples couples content. That's what we talk about a lot is like, you know, if you don't maintain your closeness throughout the years, you're going to either have this massive blowout that occurs in your relationship or you just have these like slow leaks yeah. over time. And you, you the kids leave and you're like... Who are you? I don't even love you anymore. Like yeah. we've just we've just stayed together for the kids. We kind of like look back and try to make meaning of what we've been doing all those years. And like, I guess we stay together for the kids. But the same thing happens even for moms as individuals is that um, like a like kind of like a prototype is a like a mom whose kids finally leave the nest and she's been all about the kids all her life. And now she doesn't even know who she is anymore. And then sometimes what happens, which is unfortunate, is she kind of gets resentful when our kids have a life of their own. Oh, sure. Yeah. Or it's like, how you know, oh, going out with your friends again. You <laughs> right. know, like those like oh, snarky yeah. comments. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, well, you didn't nurture your yeah. relationship likely with your partner or yourself yeah. all of these years. And now you're yeah. bitter and grumpy. And who wants to feel like that? Nobody Absolutely. likes themselves that way. Yeah. And yeah. it's all in love, in their act of love. Yes. That's and the, they don't even realize. That's the crazy part. That's the crazy part of it. Yeah. Sacrificing for the sake of our relationships only to sacrifice our relationships. Yeah, mm -hmm. right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, so so in the book, one of the one of the major sections within the book that you provide insight into is to five steps for transformation. Can you touch very very high level on a couple of those and maybe an example? 
Yeah, so um, I talked about the model of relationships. And so each step goes with each area of the model. So um, I'll run through them and then I'll go into one or two. So it's know deeply, trust accurately, rely boldly, commit wisely, and touch purposefully. And so um, know deeply, we'll talk about that one real quickly. The idea behind that is that for you to actually meet your needs and to know what you need, you have to really know who you are. And I think for moms, we tend to um, kind of lose touch with who we are when we become moms or we act in ways that we're like unrecognizable to ourselves. And so it's about figuring out ways to come back more into alignment as well as discovering who you are so you can really care for yourself deeply. And through the book, in that main section, every single point is first articulated through a story about my kids. And so I'm applying the point to how we care for our kids. Because I think for moms, it's a lot more digestible that way. Mm -hmm. So we're like, whatever ourselves, you know, but (laughs) it's like, here's how we do it with our kids. And then, okay, what does that look like when we tune it, turn it toward ourselves? Mm -hmm. And so um, the story I tell for that chapter is actually about our son when he was in preschool. And um, it starts out with me getting a phone call. I'm working that day. I get a phone call from the administrator of the school, and she's like, Roy, hit a kid. You need to get up here right now. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, (laughs) This is going to get weird. Um, So I live really close to school. I hopped in the car and drove up and sat down and those you know, horribly itchy chairs. And I'm sitting there faced with the um, administrator and his teacher. And um, they're like, you know, Roy um, hit a kid with a block. Which I was like, oh, oh. you didn't tell me that. I was like, next Dang. level. <laughs> and he's like the, he's a sweet boy. Like, he's yeah. a sweet kid. He's not a violent kid. Um, so this is really surprising. Um, and um, so I start getting, you know, start getting lectured which is like, you know, you need to talk with him about how to articulate his feelings. I feel like they're like, I, yeah. I have a personal bias that I think that schools are a little bit prejudicial toward boys, but that's maybe for another discussion. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they're like, you, you need to talk to him about how to express his feelings properly. And by the way, you know, he's, um, I don't even know if these things will make sense, but like he's only doing parallel play, which means he's just kind of playing on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think that's developmentally behind. And um, our son, uh, he likes to, not as much anymore, which is sad, but he liked to dress up a lot in costumes. So for like <laughs> the first whole year, he came as the greatest showman. Like he had a, he had a red amazing. like circus coat and a top hat. But this year was superheroes. And so um, they were like, you know, I don't know what you're showing him at home and how what violence you're watching in the home. But um, we know he likes superheroes. So I was just like sitting there. So taken back. Totally taken back. But Hello, also, school. right, I was also trying to figure out do I tell them I like, hey, I'm a doctor in right. psychology. <laughs> like, I know about talking about feelings. You know, but then I was like, or does that make me look really bad? Because right. I've got this kid who just hit a kid with a block. <laughs> and so, um, so I let them do their thing. And uh, the administrator knew me a bit better than the teacher. But I finally said, you know, okay, let me, let me share some things on my side. <laughs> and uh, I go, have you, you know, this is how Roy talks about school. He talks about school, you know, he's a, he's a crazy storyteller. I'm, I can never figure out fact from fiction, mm-hmm. but um, they're really colorful stories. They're pretty fun, but, but I can pick up on themes. Right. And so the themes of his stories are that he doesn't feel safe at school. He talks about being chased. He'll be like, oh, so-and-so, you know, locked me in a room. And I'm like, that 
didn't happen probably <laughs> right. or like what you know hit me on the head and it's like okay you don't have any marks but you know I'm like constantly trying to dis- decipher what's what mm-hmm. but the reality is he doesn't feel safe and he feels really anxious and a lot of times anxiety will come out as as anger mm-hmm. and um i go so that's one thing i want you to know the second thing is that i want to ask you is have you ever noticed roy curling up in the fetal position at school he's done i have pictures of him doing this from when he was a little little boy but um like I'm talking like 12 months and and the teacher's like, oh yeah, he does that a lot. Uh, Maybe you would want to mention, I don't know, that's not like normal behavior in my opinion. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's what he does when he's feeling kind of overwhelmed. He gets in a little ball. So he's trying to regulate. So he's not feeling safe. He's clearly like trying to hide away. Yeah. um, Something worth mentioning. And let's talk about the morning with the block. (laughs) (laughs) So show me that block. Show, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me see that. And so I, I go. I think I, I think I know um, who he hit. I know you can't tell me. And I go, but, but I always stick around in the mornings until he feels comfortable. He's a, he's just, he was just a nervous kid at school. And so I would hang out. We'd build stuff. Usually we built towers. That day we built a tower like as tall as him. It's like this big. And um, there's this boy who kept like hovering mm-hmm. around the tower. And threatening to not get down, I asked him not to, and I go, "Did he knock it down?" And I left, and they're like, "Well, yeah." And I go, "So, he knocked it down, and then he hit him," and he's like, "Yeah." They're like, "Yeah." I go, oh, "He didn't tell me that part, but mm-hmm. um, not okay. Definitely not okay. We're right. gonna talk about this. Roy and I will absolutely talk about these things, but um, I think you need to understand the bigger picture of who he is, right? Because he's nervous, he's anxious, he's not feeling safe." Um, this kid was threatening him that morning. We asked him politely multiple times to leave us alone. He didn't. And he's trying to ball up and not act out on his mm-hmm. feelings of anxiety at school. And you're not picking up on it. And I think you see him as a bad kid. So the administrator, the the teacher was a little different. <laughs> but the administrator was like, I get it. I have an idea. Let's move Roy into another classroom. So this ki- this classroom has eight kids. I think it'll be better. So we move him to another classroom. I touch base with her in a week and a half, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, Roy won't stop talking to me. He tells me the craziest stories. I can't believe how it, how amazing his vocabulary is, and he is a totally new kid." And I write in the book, he wasn't a totally new kid. Mm-hmm. He was the same kid, mm-hmm. but he was actually for the first time by his teachers known well known deeply understood and when they understood him they could meet his needs better and and that's part of uh, what we have to do as as individuals is that we have to know ourselves well enough to know how we can care for ourselves in ways that actually move the needle and thank goodness i knew roy deeply enough to know you know the full picture of what was going on with him it's a great story. Great, it is great. a great story. I wish it was easier said than done to like yeah. know know yourself deeply. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Um, get very practical in the book. Walk you okay, through good. ways to do that and um, actual like touch points for read how you can read check in. read yeah. the darn book, people. <laughs> the the last thing I want to touch base on was your journey in writing this book. I'm always fascinated by people like yourself who take it upon themselves to say, "I'm going to author this book and <laughs> and I'm going to take this project on." And I can imagine at times it's overwhelming. It's also very, very prideful and exciting and fearful and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. So and, I, where, and where you're at today okay. with this. Um, I, I started the book, I don't even know, maybe like seven years ago. I would just kind of like go away to the libraries here, library here and there on the weekends and maybe 
you know, type a few paragraphs or something. And um, eventually, a couple years ago, so we were at the tail end of COVID, I think, when I decided, or I was talking to my husband, and I'm like, all I just want to do is write my stinging book. Like, mm. I, I keep waiting for things to get less busy. I keep waiting for the schedule to clear, my work projects to be done so I can put time into this. And um, it's, you know, it's never going to happen. Like, I'm, I'm finally, I see the light. It's never going to happen. And um, so if I don't do it now, I don't think I'm ever going to do it. So I need to do it now. And he's like, do it. I'm like, oh, well, if I, if it, <laughs> if it and, happens. And you like, don't tell me what to do? No, no. no. Okay, oh, I'm always like, tell me what to do. <laughs> 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 don't make me think. Just tell me what, he's a super decisive guy. I love that about him. It's like, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. So um, I, we had to Go talk. Go write the book. I support you. Yeah, right. and that's what we had to talk about, though. Like, because if this actually happens, that means that he has a very busy job. That means that you're going to, you know, it's going to require more. And so are you okay with that? It's going to require sacrifice. Are you okay mm-hmm. with that? So um, he said, yeah, I um, reached out. My, my dad wrote a book in the past, so I reached out to his agent. Um, some other people I knew had written books reached out to their agents and um, sent over my really crappy proposal. So mm-hmm. that's, like, what you need, really, to, to sell a book is a proposal. <laughs> crappy one or uh, mine was crappy um luckily uh <laughs> luckily don't. my agent saw through it um and i think she saw um maybe you know I, I could speak clearly on things or she could see um some of my video content know like okay she's got mm-hmm. something something yeah. there that we can we can work with this woman mm-hmm. <laughs> so um we did some interviews and we ended up crafting a proposal it took about probably three months um, um, I don't know how much detail you want. I can share after the show, but proposals like a couple of chap- chapters, mm-hmm. um, chapter summaries, an intro, um, table of contents, stuff like that. And then we pitched it. So mm. she pitched it. I didn't pitch it. She pitched it to a bunch of publishers, and then you start doing interviews. And I think I ended up with um, I don't know six or seven offers. Mm. And um, and the interview process was fun. It's I thought they were interviewing me, but kind of at that point you're interviewing them, which is much a nice position <laughs> to be in. Yeah. Um, then they give you your offers and you negotiate. And um, from that point on, it's basically like, you know, here's your deadline. Get your book done. Wow. And so that's that that was my process. It goes back to something I said when we first started, which sometimes you got to act before you feel ready. Um, and that was a big part of my story. And. Yeah, now I'm launching it, which is a totally different ball game. I feel like I've um, had to wear a lot of hats. I designed my cover. I wasn't like we I, we couldn't agree on a cover, so I ended up doing my own. And wow. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of things where I did not anticipate. Good for you. Um, this doing, is your baby. This is my baby yeah. um, that I didn't anticipate. But um, the launching process is is um, wild because you know pre-orders matter a lot in today's day and age of book selling. Um, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but they all accumulate on the day that your book comes out. So you have this pre-order period to sell these books, and then they all add up. And so if you can do a good job in the pre-order, you have a higher chance of making like a bestsellers list or something. Wow, it's a whole it's a whole nother ball process, game. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh wow! And so that's hmm. why why there's like you're like there you're giving stuff away to buy your book, and I'm like yeah, because you like got to <laughs> you want to incentivize mm-hmm. buy it now mm-hmm. because it's hard to spend your money before you actually get something in return. Um, and so, yeah, so now I'm just like hustling, like buy my book and <laughs> trying to provide a lot of value. So that's so how do people do that? Where do they go? How do they reach out to you if they haven't already? Yeah. And where do they go to get this beautiful book? Thank you. So you can buy anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, um, anywhere like that, uh, through my website, which is 
Dr. Morgan Cutlip. So it's Dr. Morgan Cutlip, all one word. Um, it's backslash book. You can find all the links to the retailers and then how you can actually opt in to get my gifts if you pre-order. So those are gone on September 19th. So do it now. Okay. <laughs> all right, Dr. Morgan. So I always have the honor of asking my guests one final thought question. Okay. Right. Always make me the most. You ready? <laughs> what is your ultimate lesson learned in your career as a therapist and or writing this book? So I can speak to the writing the book. Um, I I hired a book marketing coach to help me kind of just get a bit organized. And along the way, I was um, getting some pushback from my publisher on some things. And they're great. Like, they've been wonderful. But just, I'm kind of, I think I'm pushing them a little bit. I'm like, yeah. what about this? What about that? And they're like, just hold, hold the phone. Like, <laughs> right, slow right. down, lady. You're like, you're a first-time author. Like, slow your roll. Yeah. And um, I remember they were, they were suggesting one thing, and I wanted to do something different. And I called the, the book marketing guy, and he's like, he's, he, don't even, he doesn't have kids. Like, he's not in my niche at all, but he's yeah. just like, you know, marketing mind. And he's like, oh my gosh. He's like, you are in the driver's seat. Drive the bus. This is your show. Like, mm -hmm. you, are the, you are in charge. And I think that that is a lesson that um, it's like, it applies actually to lots of domains of life. Yeah, of course. Which it does. is that um, in this process, I've really had to step out of my comfort zone of just being agreeable and instead being like, I like that, but I'm going to do this instead, or I'd rather do this, and to really drive the bus. I think in our relationships, we have to learn how to drive the bus, um, and that means many things, um, whether it's managing our relationship or taking um, control of like what we can control, uh, how we show up in our relationships, how we communicate, how we assert ourselves, how you know all these things that we are really uh, in charge of. So that's that's a lesson that I'm regularly just kind of tapping back into and putting to putting to work in my life. I love that. That's, That's very well said. Yep. Drive the bus. Drive the bus. Drive the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say hell yeah? Drive your own bus. Yeah. Great takeaway. Very good. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good to fun. see you, Bart. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for being <laughs> part of this wonderful show. Thank you, Dr. Morgan. Yeah, of course. Thank you. First time in our new studio. It's beautiful. So excited. All right, well, I'd like to thank everyone who has tuned in, and we look forward to being back in the studio again next week. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please subscribe, like, share, leave a comment or review. Be sure to check us out on social media at Optimized Advisor Podcast. Till next time. <laughs>